Up here, you can see all the better buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, we've got James. Hello. And Calvin. Oh. Our Better Buddies icebreaker. What does your ideal self-care day look like to you? Didn't we have this already? Uh, we... Look, there's only so many topics in the universe, Calvin. This time, we're doing it as an icebreaker, not advising someone else's day. Yeah, I do I do remember we, we talked about, like, we, we described self-care activities like would look like but i like this idea of the ideal day um mm. so my day yeah, yeah. i get yeah, up at 8 30 mm-hmm. and i proceed to not leave bed until 10 o'clock because i'm on my phone scrolling very nice get up out of bed at 10 go downstairs play video games until it's about lunchtime and then i shower and dress and then I eat lunch. And then I either play some more video games, or I read a book, or I build a Lego set, and then I have dinner, and I go out to eat for dinner, and I take it back to my place, and I watch a movie. A new movie, maybe even. One that I haven't seen yet. And I enjoyed that movie. And then, it's evening. And I play some video games with my favorite buds. And that's my day. I like it. It's very sweet. Good, because I included you in it. I know. I I felt very. I got I got lousy. <laughs> now the real question no. is, am I in your day? <laughs> oh yeah, Ooh. that is the real question. I I would say for me, if I'm thinking like ideal, and be honest, because if I'm not in your ideal self care day, don't you dare put me there. <laughs> yeah, then it's not self care day. Why? As Calvin said, I will just beat you. <laughs> I I would say I ooh. Um I wake up I kind of just sit in my bed for like a little bit, probably around like six o'clock or so. So I sit there until like six thirty and I get to just kind of look out my window. You wake up at six? Yeah, I love getting up. Self care day. I love, I love getting up early. I love like early morning feeling. It is maybe my favorite time of day. Like I, I I love it. Um, I like so. So I would do that. I would. I would sit. I like to honestly kind of like sit in my bed for a little bit, and um, ideally, I'll just I'll literally just like kind of look around. I'll just like kind of think to myself. Just kind of hang out, um, kind of like look out the window and like listen to birds and maybe I'll even like read a little bit or like look a little bit at my phone, but I'll probably, I'd like to more than anything, just kind of sit there. And then I'll get up. I would honestly probably um, stretch a little bit and then I would go for a run, like a nice, just kind of even jog. Um, I'll come back. I would probably do an ab exercise, like light weights. Um, by this time, hopefully it's like, it's like 7.50. I would take a shower. Um, I would sit down. Uh, I would make some tea. 
and I would sit down and I would start writing. Um, I would write until like, ah, uh, like 1130, maybe noon, like get kind of my big days writing out there. Um, and then I would, uh, I, it'd be fun to go to the grocery store, like look up a meal I haven't made before. Um, look that up, go get the stuff for it. Um, come back home to spend some time listening to music or watching stuff. Um, actually, no, probably just, just cooking. So I make that meal and then I would kind of sit down maybe around like two. Um, I'd enjoy that meal. And then afterwards I would watch a movie um probably just kind of hang out like watch a movie and read and then i don't know like i'd i'd like to go out i think going out on the town with like and i am being honest R rj honestly if you had not posed the question to me before i would not have thought of it but i am being dead honest when i say like going out on the town with a good group of friends and uh -huh. just people i like as the the problem is is that I have a tendency, and you both know this, to like self isolate like incredibly hard, and that is like I mean what? no, I'm you, what? that's not, I'm a little no. worried I'm about to start competing <laughs> with you for no. it, James. So come on, <laughs> no, like, uh, but I I like it would be really fun, and sometimes I need my friends to kind of yank me out of my little like uh bubble, my cocoon, and going out with a good group of friends would be like be pretty great and we go out we have some fun um and then like uh we maybe we even yeah maybe we do go over to somebody's house and like play some games or do something like that and then i don't know or maybe uh we kind of part ways um later in the like we all kind of head back to our respective places i, I go home um i kind of decompress and then crawl in the bed and i uh i'll sleep Nice. Yeah, I know that was a bit of an odyssey. Thank you for bearing with me. But yeah, that would that would be. I think that'd be a pretty good day. I think that'd be pretty fun. Calvin. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I guess my ideal day would be also kind of, or I guess this is not so much ideal day as just self care day. So I guess my normal care days as of late are also good weekend day. Uh, also wake up early, about seven or so, um, which for me is sleeping in, <laughs> which is always nice. Uh, so wake up about seven, probably go to either my coffee shop or the diner near my place. Ooh. I don't know, like get breakfast, kind of just like relax. And then I do my usual of like, go out for a nice walk and spend like a couple hours on or something like that but i typically like going out and doing something as well like honestly get when i get stuck at home and do i do nothing while it's like easy those are usually like the days that tend to feel like i i get like i feel like i'm not a do i i need to be doing something so it's kind of not super re relaxing unless i'm like out somewhere i guess i could do nothing if it wasn't in my apartment when i'm just stuck in my apartment that usually feels worse i think it could be argued too though like if you're just like out doing nothing at like the park you're still enjoying nature and enjoying the outdoors 
Yeah, I guess I guess my point was like if I was on a vacation somewhere, yeah. even if it was just like a place that I was renting elsewhere, even if I just stayed there and did nothing, I would feel I would obviously feel not as great because I'm in a new place and I'm not out doing something. But at the same time, not doing something in that new place would still feel better than not doing something at my ho- at home. Yeah. Because I have that like false idea that I hey I'm actually out doing something even though you're not. Um, Fair enough. But yeah, so I guess I don't know if I have anything specific. I'd be out doing something out on some sort of adventure with one or two other people. I if it was a big group, that would make it horrible. It has to yeah. be like one person or maybe two. Yeah, I think the I like the biggest is probably like maybe I would say like the biggest I would like is maybe five to seven people if you're going out. Like, uh, well, yeah, I guess that's not terrible. Yeah. I, I that's it depends like, on what you're going out to do. I guess. Yeah, I like fair. I like a good group of like five. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I like that odd number. Yeah, I like there to be enough where it's like you can have, you could if you wanted to. There's enough like noise to have your own private conversation, but the group is also enough where if a topic uh, catches the eye of everybody, you could all equally participate in the conversation if you wanted to. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. not too big, it becomes unmanageable. So, yeah. Nice. Before we get into our next segment. I just want to talk about this awesome headline I found today. Okay. The one you posted? <laughs> yes. Um, the headline reads, Canadian... Oh, get out of here, ad for the thing. I don't want to sign up for your email addresses. God, those are so fucking <laughs> annoying. <laughs> Canadian astronauts no longer free to rob and kill with abandon in space or on the moon. What's the point? <laughs> Amendment buried in the 2022 federal budget bill extends Canadian criminal jurisdiction to the cosmos. They're taking away all the fun of being an astronaut. Yeah, dude, what the hell? A Canadian crew member who, during a spaceflight, commits an act or omission outside Canada that, if committed in Canada, would constitute an indictable offense is deemed to have committed that act or omission in Canada. Uh, yeah. Included in Did Bill C-19, the 443-page document. Awesome. It would be great if they made this rule, like, uh, for their astronauts, but it still doesn't exist for, like, their citizens. <laughs> <laughs> Any Canadian citizen is free to kill if they want. They just choose not to. Uh, oh, wait. Yeah, the, uh... Because uh, up until now, they could just kill and murder with abandon. As a... At- Legal problem. The technical lawlessness of space is a legal problem at the moment. Wait, so... Did you read the article, RJ? uh, I'm reading it now. Okay, because basically what the article... Because I did read it because I thought it was interesting as well. Basically what it is, is that on the International Space Station, they're bound by the treaty that forms the International Space Station that basically says... Uh, if an astronaut commits a crime, they're beholden to the jurisdiction of their native country. If they commit a crime against a member from a different country, then it's kind of up in the air between those two countries to just kind of figure it out. Um, this was an answer to anything in the future, not 
on the International Space Station now that we have like SpaceX because when they launched that private mission to the space station, technically any crimes committed on the SpaceX shuttle before it hit the International Space Station was not governed by any pre-existing treaty. So this is just to kind of blanket in the future. If you're in space, you're still beholden to the Canadian laws if you're a Canadian citizen. See, and I find the it interesting. Really... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the really interesting thing in that article, though, was the, the the example that they used that the Americans, um, the precedent that the Ameri- that caused the Americans to establish this rule was two Americans on a research base on a floating iceberg drifted into america or drifted into canadian waters and one of the researchers killed the other because they stole their homemade wine yep and it freaked out the american government as to like what will happen with jurisdiction over this thankfully the canadians were just like you guys can just take care of this so they the, then Congress was like, oh, okay, we're going to pass a law to deal with this in the future. Oh, see, but I like <laughs> I the 2019 space crime. 2019, yes, that the was... first ever space crime when astronaut Anne McLean was accused by her estranged spouse, Summer Warden, of unlawfully using an ISS computer to access their bank records. But it did come out that he lied. Yes. So she actually, which I also thought interesting because I, I had heard about this when it happened like the first space crime, I never heard the follow-up that this guy lied about it and that she didn't actually do anything. So yeah. I think that's... that. I, I didn't actually hear that part. <laughs> it's just sad that Canadians are no longer allowed to murder without... Uh, <laughs> they're not allowed to murder freely on space shuttles. Yeah, dude, why take the wind out of their sails? That's How else were they getting out their aggression? <laughs> Yeah, they gotta go somewhere. You know, the, you can't, you can't be so so accommodating forever. That that, you know, all that all that tension's gotta be released somehow, preferably <laughs> in space, not not onto us, where no one can hear you say, "Hey." Oh, RJ, that's that's a little racist. Yeah, come on. Little, Is it a race? Na- Canadians a race? I don't think so. <laughs> not last wow. I checked. Fair wow. enough. Nationality, na- nationist. There we go. That's accurate. <laughs> uh, no, that's god damn space crime. Gotta love it. World the future. Here. In the future. <laughs> In the future. In the grim dark future. Our next segment. Hear your space crime. <laughs> In order to ease the passage of time through that grim dark future. Our next segment is Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Who would like to go first? James Wood. James Wood. I do have one. It's about 11 years out of date, and I don't know if anyone's actually uh, recommended it before, but, but I can do it. Um, I would like to recommend... Don't know if you guys uh, have heard of this. It's a little, little, little independent series and a little independent network. It's called Game of Thrones. Um, Never heard of it. Yeah, What what is... Uh, is that Sounds like a dumb. reality TV show? Yeah, it's honestly basically uh, Lord of the Rings meets reality television. Um, oh, is this that new Disney uh, Plus show that I saw advertised? Yes, it was. the kids was, go to an actual made, castle? 
Is this real? Yes. Is this a real thing? Yes. Didn't they do this before? Was this? A, I think this was like an adult reality show. I, I saw well, it at one point where they children. like went to a castle in like England and like did challenges themed in medieval times. Oh, I have no clue. Uh, I have no idea. You should know, James. You recommended it. It's called Game of Thrones. Yeah, come on. I'm, what are you doing? I'm sorry. Of course. Yes. Game Pay of attention Thrones. to yourself. <laughs> Uh, it's so difficult. Um, even though I'm so interesting, um, and Game of Thrones and humble, um, is well, I wouldn't go that far. As <laughs> fair enough, as as someone who I've read the first book and a little bit of the second, and I have not, I, I have now seen six or seven of the episodes um, of the first season. And I'm not going to lie, I can absolutely see why this was, like, such a big thing uh, for so long. It's incredibly engaging. Um, it's obviously uh, very salacious. Uh, yep. There are at least four butts but in four. the first at half four. hour. At least four. Um, so pretty right out of the gate um that is actually one thing that was very surprising to me i've seen other hbo shows before i'm used to kind of their like the, their shows you know it's not it's not television it's hbo they do have a tendency to surprise you sometimes with with what they'll let people get away with but i was really surprised within the you know first few episodes of this show because i was like holy shit they just really like they really fucking go there um, yeah they take that knob and turn it down after season one <laughs> I, I had a feeling, I had a feeling that they'd like crank it up to get people sit and then they kind of, you can't keep that, that burner on forever or else the house is going to burn down, um, which uh, it sounds uh, like. Tell that to the internet. It did. Yeah. So unfortunately, <laughs> uh, all their, all their <laughs> oh, prudence I was, more referring was to but, <laughs> um, enjoyable, uh, fun perform the, the performances are pretty pretty good but i mean better than average television so far um it, i do say i will say one final thing i like the first with this first season so far uh and i again i've i read the first book like aware of some of the things i've forgotten how much um sean bean's character like ed ed stark yeah um i'd forgotten how much his plot line was like a noir detective plot oh, yeah. yeah it really is he's been like recruited and he's like he's kind of going around like trying to piece together like this murder or accident quote unquote and uh he's just kind of like sunk in this like in this city of scum um and he's kind of trying to wade through it all while keeping his his you know northern wits about him so i really i really do i do like that uh quite a bit it's an interesting little sort of storytelling piece i did not expect to see in the way it's presented in a show like this so yeah honestly if you haven't watched it yet and you're behind the times like me by about a decade i would suggest mm -hmm. watch game of thrones it is uh at least the first season so far it is so far worth it skip season nice. eight like i did I didn't do it on purpose. It just happened. <laughs> Damn, John, you gotta you gotta complete the series. Eh, do I? Eh. Or do I watch or. the prequel show when that comes out first and watch oh. things out of order? 
as yeah. your normal yeah. routine because you're a madman who likes depriving <laughs> of himself of quality entertainment i consume the quality entertainment i just do it wrong therefore miss out nah that's i mean you know great wine is great wine and it should be drank a certain way but you can still drink any wine any way you want so i that's a lie as long as you enjoy the experience that is what i have for you uh yeah so uh calvin do you want to go or do i need to go uh i i mean i can go i don't have anything okay crazy because i just can't be bothered to think of anything this time fair uh <laughs> so um i gotta i want to make sure i have the right oh that's what it is okay so it's just another post-rock band that i found um because i was like looking on i don't know how i ended up here i think i was researching another post-rock band but I was on like the Wikipedia page for just like post-rock bands from the US. Um, and the name sounded interesting, so I started listening to them, and they're pretty good. Uh they started out making a living apparently busking as part of the Music Under New York series Sorry, that New York City put on. Uh they're called um You Bred Raptors. And in it's a name in reference to uh Jurassic Park when he's like you bred raptors so that's just their name is you bred raptors and the first uh their uh their first like full album is called Muldoon and then they've got an uh, then the other next three albums are Hammond Grant and then International Genetics mm-hmm. um has nothing like beyond the name has nothing to do with Jurassic Park uh it's other and otherwise just a complete and total post rock band okay. uh very instrumental um a little bit different than other post rock bands a little bit more um softer i i don't know if softer is the right word i don't know but uh yeah, yeah. i just i just really like them they're very small um and i think soft would be the right word considering like hard rock what well, i don't uh... know that i would classify any uh post rock as hard rock but exactly but there's definitely harder struck. I don't know. Uh, they're good. They're just, yeah, so just another music rack. You bred raptors, question mark. Rawr. See, when did, when did they um, come to prominence? Uh, they haven't. <laughs> I mean, James. if you, if, like, they're a tiny, ti- like, they, uh, on YouTube music, I mean, this isn't a great sign of, like, notoriety, but I can use, um, on YouTube music, they tell you how many people are subscribed to, like, their music channel or whatnot, and they only have 300 subscribers. So, they're, they're a relatively small, like, because, like I said, they got their start as part of a program in New York City as busking in the subway. And, uh, they've, but it says they've been featured in New York Magazine, Economist, and Atlantic. But so they're not like they—they're not like just absolutely tiny. But also, they're about they're, to blow up. Nah, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> but if they do, it's definitely because of me. Yep. And yeah, we will that's... email them and tell them they have to donate to our show, and by that I mean their time. Yes. Nice. I'm going to give them a listen tomorrow. 
Well, I have two things to talk about. One I'm not recommending, and one I am recommending. First, I watched the latest Fantastic Beasts movie. And if you need a masterclass on not planning out your story beats and character arcs, that is not Star Wars, the sequel trilogy, watch the Fantastic Beasts trilogy, because holy fucking shit. Well, I mean, I think the Star Wars is also pretty bad. But I mean, the Star Wars sequel trilogy is a great example of the not planning out your character arcs and what your overall story is going to be, but this is the fantasy version of that. Like, fucking Ezra Miller's character, they have no idea what they're going to fucking do with him until the, like... And eventually they're just like, well, you can't exist. Like, literally, his character trait is I'm dying in the third one. Because he's an obscurial, which is a witch or wizard that hinders their magic and pushes it down until it, like, expresses itself outwardly in near uncontrollability. But because of this, they live shortened lifespans because he's pretty powerful and... By the end of the movie, he's made up, like, it's revealed, like, oh, yeah, not only are you a Dumbledore, you're the son of Dumbledore the wizard's brother Aberforth. But you know if he was alive during the war against Voldemort, he totally would have been on the Dumbledore side and would have helped them kick Voldemort's ass. So we can't have that. So he's dying. And, like, but, like, so when he first is introduced in the character in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Him, find them. He is a orphan muggle who is, it, over the course of the first movie, it's revealed he's obscurial. He's got magic, but because his orphanage that he stayed at, like, hated witches and wizards, and the, they were like Salem witchcraft people who thought it was still a thing because they were nuts. He pushed it all down, became a super powerful obscurial. And then, in the second movie in the trilogy, Grindelwald, the evil bad guy, pulls him up and says, Hey, kid, guess what? You got Moxie. I like that. By the way, you're a Dumbledore. And it turns out, you're a Dumbledore sibling. You were on a boat going to America, and the boat sank. But uh, there was a kid swap, so you should have died, but you didn't. So you're a Dumbledore. And in the second movie, it's like, oh, he's a Dumbledore sibling? There's a fourth Dumbledore? You can't do that. That's not in the OG Harry Potter. And they fix that by saying, no, 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 not a sibling. He's a kid. He's a Dumbledore kid. It makes no sense. It made me so wow. mad. Wow, that's yeah. what is up with movie franchises not having their fucking shit together, dude. I don't get it. Like, oh, and then like one of the biggest ones too that people have pointed out is like Jude Law, right? Plays Dumbledore, I think. I don't even know who fucking Jude Law is. Yeah. Uh, but like Dumbledore and all these witches and wizards are wearing like trendy. 30s, 40s fashion as they're going into World War II. But then, like, Uh. fast forward 50 years, and they're all back to wearing fucking wizard robes. It's like, are you sure, my dude? Are you sure that's what you were wearing at the time? Oh, that Minerva McGonagall shows up in the third movie as, like, a fresh-faced new teacher. But also, like, that does not track with her timeline. (laughs) She's too young. I forget, because, like, uh, what is it? Um, Harry Potter, the chronology of the actual series is supposed to take place in, like, 90s. between, like, the mid... Yeah, I thought it was, like, the mid-80s to the early The last book takes place in 97. 
Oh, wow. So, yeah, 90s. Holy shit. And it's seven books over the course of seven years, so it's literally like 91, 92, 93, 94. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, can I talk about the ending? Because I just read the plot summary yes. on... Okay, so spoilers for anybody who cares about this, but... So, wasn't this whole thing supposed to be the story of Grindelwald? But at the end of this, if I'm reading it correctly, it just says the battle ends in a stalemate and Grindelwald disapparates. Ah, so and that is because it was supposed to be five movies. Oh. Yeah. And then they just... So this is this is it, though, right? Um, There's or, some question if they'll make any more, just because of how badly the last two have done. That reminded me of another thing. Okay. So in all uh, the first seven Harry Potter movies, they have this whole are thing. Are you going to talk about the wand thing? No. Different okay, thing. Okay, I want to talk about that. Uh, so <laughs> in the first, like, seven movies, and in, like, the first, at least the first Fantastic Beasts movie, I don't remember enough of the second one, wand bat, like, wizard duels are full-on duels. Like, they're standing, it's almost like they got guns, and they're, like, shooting spells at each other, and they have to dodge and duck and weave and, like, physically move around the space. And in the latest, in the third one, there is now some sort of mind prison game thing they can do where they enter slow-mo, fake time, no one else around, have their whole little duel thing, and then it goes back to plain old reality and nothing's happened. What? Like, this is just a thing Dumbledore can do. This is... He gets ambushed by Credence and, like, has this whole battle with Credence in the mindscape. And when they come out of the mindscape, Dumbledore's just helping Credence up off the ground. And nothing is, like, they destroyed buildings and nothing has changed. I hate all of the this. The final duel is Albus and Grindelwald in, like, a speed force time frame. Everything's super slow as they have a conversation. And then, bam, back to normal. For okay. no reason. Like, there's no established oh. reason this should happen in the canon. Don't they, like, remember how, like, one of the selling points or components of the story that creates dramatic tension and interest in Harry Potter is when, like, the wizards have to, like... Keep secret? Yeah, like, they have they have to toe the line. Like, they'll have, like, open duels in the street. Like, you know, they, they have to... They can still fight and shit like that, but they have to keep it kind of on the down low. Unless they're in their own areas, yeah. Yeah, it, it gives some of those scenes in, like, the Harry Potter movies almost like a spy feel to well, a degree. That's another like, fucking thing, too. You point out, of like, oh, they're keeping it on the down low, there's these pockets of wizarding stuff. So, like, when Voldemort rose to power, it was a big, like, that was a wizarding world-level thing, because he became so powerful and amassed so many followers. But with the context that Fantastic Beasts provides with, like, the American Aura, the American Ministry of Magic, and the American Hogwarts, and the Asian-Indian, like, magic people, and the German Ministry of Magic, it became, like, the Ministry of Magic in the Harry Potter books and movies seemed like a European-level government, when really it was just Britain. Which means, Voldemort was, like, one dude terrorizing Britain... And the rest of the world was just kind of like, "I right, cool, have fun with that, my man." Uh, what was is that the case? Like, was what or was his influence felt like? You know what I mean. The the at um, least as far as my reading and understanding goes, the original books and trilogy was supposed to be like 
this was a wizarding world level problem. Like this is a wizarding war. Yeah, I remember it being like it was centered around the UK, but it would have ramifications for the whole world was always my interpretation of it in that like because I'm trying to remember now it's been a long time, but don't they at points when in the seventh book, aren't they traveling around like they typically stay in the uk but i think they go outside the uk don't they when they're um, maybe they don't but... i don't think they go outside the uk but it is like in a lot of the sixth book haggard is gone see like fifth or sixth book haggard's gone because he's out trying to like bring giants over to their side and yeah there's not a, there's not that many giants in britain well and i mean ron's brother is in romania yeah that's where all the dragons are apparently but, uh, no, I agree that this whole movie sounds like... I only ever saw the first one. And after the ending of the first one, which I remember talking with you about this <laughs> after we went... Because I think we saw this together. Yeah. Um, at we university. Were, we were and, I, and Yeah, because like, we're the only ones that I've ever seen catch this. In that, at the end of the first one, Fantastic... Grindelwald gets disarmed by what's her face the female Tina aura Goldstein. from yeah from the american like off like uh, ministry of magic the female aura and she disarms him at the end of the film which they established the like throughout the entire first seven books and movies of the the main series they establish all it takes to defeat someone and to win the allegiance of their sentient wands is to disarm them. So she's defeated Grindelwald, which means Grindelwald now belongs to her. And we know that Grindelwald has to have the Elder Wand, the unbeatable wand, before his rise to power, because that's what gives him his rise to power, as established in the main series. Because they show him as a young boy stealing the uh, Elder Wand. Young man. And, well, oh yeah, sorry, young man. Yeah, which like he's clearly not a young man in this series. Bec and also, they do talk about him stealing the wand is what darts his rise to power. And I assume they never address it in the next two movies. Nope. They don't. And so she is now... That character's part in the third movie is reduced to being talked about as Newt's love interest. And then at the end, there's a wedding with the, like, muggle dude who's the baker. Who's he's a, I love yeah. that character. He's great. And the witch he marries... And she show the Tina, the Aurora who disarms Grindelwald, shows up at the wedding and is like, hi, Newt. And they have the awkward, like, we're both into each other, but neither of us have said it yet. And now we're kind of half dates, half not to this wedding. And then they go inside. Yeah, but, but if they don't address it, then that's like the most ridiculous plot hole ever because she's now the owner of the Elder Wand, yep. which means the Elder Wand doesn't pass and does not pass from Grindelwald to Dumbledore to Snape. Harry, which is the entire reason in the seventh book he defeats Voldemort, is because the Elder Wand like is just like nah, I'm Harry, Harry's my master, and like kills Voldemort instead. And so it's like we also know that Grindelwald never ever goes back and kills her because she and Newt get married, have a kid, and that kid uh, either like that kid or their grandson marries Luna Lovegood. Oh, what I didn't even know this, but she—I yep. I mean, he, Grindelwald doesn't have to kill her though; he just has to. Beat and her Grindelwald again. doesn't know that. So, well, yeah, true. But, like, unless we 
Grindelwald disarm her, and nobody else can beat her in the meantime. Otherwise, the chain now breaks off in a new direction. Yep. So that, this is yeah. what happens when you just don't make basic understanding of your own IP and you make profit grabs. <laughs> Especially when you're the original author who wrote the screenplay. Dun dun dun. Yeah, but she's kind she's 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 like kind of garbage. Yep. <laughs> well, no, the problem is is that like the problem is that she really just struck lightning because she tried to publish a she tried to publish a book under a pen name to like prove like no she could write and it didn't sell yeah it didn't work <laughs> and like I, I i've kind of talked about this in the past before but like really quick i do feel bad for her like i i get it like she was very successful and stuff but it must be like frustrating for someone like that if they do want to continue to write like because she'll always it's like being a super successful sitcom person it's like you're always going to be in some way that person so you may as well have made the Hopefully you made most of it when you had the limelight on you. Um, but, <clears throat> like, like, it was enough, and then she tried, and then she failed, and then she, like, you know, it must be pretty alluring. All those people on Twitter or all across the mm -hmm. internet being like, come back and write, come back and do something. We'd love it if you did. And then she does, and it's like, I don't know. I mean, I remember when I went to see the movie... I, I saw the first one. I saw the first Fantastic Beasts. And I was, like, not a fan. I was like, this is very... But for a different reason. Because I was like, this feels very oddly written. It felt like a screenplay written by somebody who normally writes books. It, it wasn't yeah. very snappy. There was a lot of time spent mm -hmm. on stuff that wasn't important to the story. You almost got the sense that, like, with some of the things, it was almost... It was almost like there were pages of description that we weren't getting... Um, and I, sure enough, I found out she wrote the script and I read the script, like I bought it and I read it and I was like, yeah, this sounds, yeah, this is why it went bad. Like I'm a, I'm a big proponent of like those two forms of writing are like very different. And like, I don't know if it was naivete or hubris or a little bit of both made her think she could like just waltz back in after like, like four, what, four or five years and kind of do that. Yeah. But do feel bad for her, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, JK, you, you should have just stayed at home. You should have just been content. But so the movie I actually want to recommend, because I watched two movies basically oh. <laughs> back to back. Yeah, let's hear. I went to see that with my family, and then left for like an hour, and then returned to the theater. Had a very good argument with the cashier about my soda, because I got another large soda, and they were like, weren't you here before? And I said, yes, I was, and they gave me the soda for free. Because oh, awesome. it was a refill on a large, technically. And so in, in defiance of them, I bought another box of candy just to make them take my money. <laughs> um, but the movie <laughs> I watched, Liam Neeson, Memory. Oh man, that was a heard fun it. movie. I've not heard of this. So, Memory is, Liam Neeson's character is, as most Liam Neeson characters are, a badass. Uh, he's an aging hitman basically for i don't know if it's the cartel or like i think he's just like a hitman for hire right and but he's starting to lose his like it's early onset alzheimer's so like he's still kind of physically fit he's physically fit enough to do his job as like a hitman assassin kind of person but he is getting older and he's like 
when he's given a mission, he's he wants to get out of the game. He knows it's like he needs to stop because he's forgetting things. And they're like, no, 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 you don't, you don't get out of this game, friend. You you keep playing until you die. Here's your next like assignment. And so he takes it and like he's writing the address of the hotel. On, he's like writing notes on his arm so that he remembers things, knows where to go. Um, the flips, like the second side of the story is a, uh, there is a FBI task force to bust, uh, prostitution, specifically under a child, child prostitutes being like taken over the border from Mexico. Um, and like taken out of detention centers for illegal immigrants. So they're trying to bust it. Liam Neeson's character is told to clean up after a bust they make and take out the uh, witnesses and, like, connections to it. So he kills the one dude, and at first when he took the thing, he thought it was kill the guy and the wife. And then he looked at it and it was, no, it was kill the guy and kill the kid who is, like, the the child who was forced into prostitution. Like, kill that. And Liam Neeson's character's like, no, fuck this, I won't do it. I don't kill kids. And it becomes a competing rivalry between, not, not a rivalry, like a contest between the FBI team of these three people who are, like, trying to catch everybody involved as the net grows wider and wider and wider on who's all involved and, like, the levels it, the corruption goes. And Liam Neeson's character, who is this forgetful assassin that is also hunting these people down to exact vengeance, knowing that, like, his brain is going and he has to get this done before he loses it completely. Interesting. Interesting. One of the key things that makes it work is Liam Neeson's age, though. Like, he does... I'm sorry, you're old, man, but you did a <laughs> very good old. job of letting that, like, age show through and very genuine... Like, I, if I didn't know better, I'd be a little scared he is starting to lose it. Because <laughs> <laughs> there, there were a few points where he was, like... He really does go from... Like, he just flips the switch and goes from the killer badass to uh, uh where where am i what's like the, he flips that switch from like killer badass to almost pathetic old man interesting and it worked very very well how long is the movie uh two hours less eh. all right that's not too bad no it keeps it keeps them moving pretty quick Um, I don't even remember who else. Like, it's not like it's a stacked cast either. Like, I think Liam, Liam Neeson is the biggest name in it. So. Guy Pierce. Huh? I don't. It, didn't I see? I thought I saw Guy Pierce on the. Maybe. Yes, uh, who's Guy Pierce? Uh, he was in Iron Man 3, right? That oh, was right. Guy Pierce. Duh. Um. Oh, wait. Monica Bellucci. Oh my god, like that's recognize that Guy Pierce who did that. Yeah, he did not. I did not recognize him. But yeah, so Guy Pierce is like the other protagonist, um, being aided by. Come on, pull that back up. Taj Atwal is she plays his like partner, and then Harold Torres plays the Mexican, uh, like. 
the what what would it be like the basically their counterpart from Mexico who's part of the task force right mm-hmm. so like those three are trying to get to the top of it and figure out how far this corruption and like this prostitution ring goes and try and shut it down but their leads keep getting marked by mm-hmm. Liam Neeson <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Hate we keep trying happens. to solve the mystery, but this old fart keeps killing everyone we're supposed to talk to. <laughs> but yeah, overall, Damn. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot more than the uh, fantastic, the crimes of secrets of Dumbledore, whatever the f- that fucking naming convention. Fuck, fuck that. <laughs> you do feel so bad, RJ. I do think they will like these okay. have been received poorly critically, but they have made. Quite a bit of money at the box office, so I, you may be in. Genuine too. question: Is it just me that misses when movies just called themselves "Movie Two"? Like, yeah, I have a tagline, whatever, that's fine. But like, Harry Potter, Harry Potter Two, The Chamber of Secrets, Iron Man, Iron Man Two, Iron Man Three. Like, when did we have to have the sequel to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them? Is Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald? The secrets of Dumbledore. Catchier. It's, it's not. It's like it's like they're they're naming them like books. That's probably one of the ideas yeah. behind the conceit. Is like they're trying to name them like. Oh my god, they are. Installments in a book series, but I mean, I agree. Like, I think a movie's title should be like. You make the case. I mean, movies have obviously held themselves like this for almost ever since they've come out. But like, at least with the one, two, three thing, like. You know, Star Wars was arguably the, one of the first, like, super popular, at least in our memory, like, ones that did that. And all those movies, like, it's short, it's concise, but you still get a pretty quick brief illustration of, like, what the movie might be about. Like, Star Wars, Star Wars... Empire Strikes uh, Back. The Empire <laughs> Strikes Back. It's like, wow, oh, fuck yeah. does that mean? <laughs> like The Empire hits them and- back. They had and a Star War. This is the life. next part of the Star War. Yeah. It makes me want to see it. Empire Strikes Back, and you get to call just it's it's uh it's a title on its own. And then Return of the Jedi, same thing. And that that oh. described what happened. The Jedi returned. Exactly. Meanwhile, it, in the know, crimes of Grindelwald, Grindelwald commits basically no crimes. But what yeah, like what is the what are the name it's he fantastic kills some muggles. That's it. Oh, that's not a crime. Those people are subhuman. <laughs> you're you're a muggle. No, that's what you dude. think. Oh shit! Have, what you haven't you haven't bowed down to the superior race yet of wizards or whatever the fuck? Well, that's secrets of Dumbledore. <laughs> wizards or whatever. That's the other thing too. Secrets of Dumbledore. There were no fu- the the big secret of Dumbledore is that oh Grindelwald got some magic see in the future powers for a little bit, so we can't just openly discuss our plans. So we're gonna hide our plans by having tons of plans layered on top of each other so you can't tell what the real plan is and isn't that's a secret isn't the secret that the one guy's a kid is nope. a dumbledore that's the secret no that was from the previous movie no that's the secret no that was the last it's movie. just a bad secret everyone knows about <laughs> the secret now that was in crimes oh. of grindelwald but he, there was a secret dumbledore 
feel like I'm in a story meeting for these movies right now. I bet this is very close. <laughs> we could totally write a better titles, story. Yeah. They we should totally do the titles a better Because job. in the second movie, that is when the secrets of Dumbledore, where they find out there was a secret Dumbledore kid. And then in the third one, Crimes of Grindelwald, he rigs an election. That's a crime. I thought, I thought Dumbledore was gay. Everybody knows yeah. that by this point. It's not a secret. Uh, no, I mean... It's only a secret like, if you've only read the first seven books and not Twitter. <laughs> Dumbledore's genetic kid? No, 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 no. So, no, different Dumbledore. So, James, oh, do you know the Dumbledore family oh. tree? I forget. There's, so yeah, there's Dumbledore, it's like Albus, and then there's Albus. Aberforth Dumbledore, and then there's Ariana Dumbledore. She died. It doesn't matter. Aberforth. Oh, nobody likes her. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that was one of those things, too, where, like, Originally, her whole thing was just she was a squib, particularly because she originally did some magic and some local townsfolk didn't like that, so they beat the ever-loving crap out of her, this poor kid, and so she loses her magic because of it, and because she's brain-damaged, and, like, or, I mean, she doesn't, like, lose her magic, but she doesn't really have it much, can't use it, and on this one, they're like, oh, no, no, she was obscurial, it was pushed down, it's like, well, no... The way you described this as working as a thing, that's not how that would work, but sure, okay. Definitely like to see... Dude, if... Okay, you want to hear my pitch for, like, a modern Harry Potter movie? You want to hear this? Yeah, hit me. All right. I, my pitch is... It's present day, right? It's the modern day. Yeah. And 2022. we do it, like, in... 2022. We do it, like, an X-Men-style thing where it's, like get found out and like i want to see like british swat team people like kicking the doors in at hogwarts that's the problem (laughs) Uh, because of the magic enchantments muggle tech does not work on hogwarts grounds that fuck that which is why they for the longest time had to just poop on the ground and make it vanish magic you're assuming it was onto the ground calvin no that's what she said oh the dumbest thing ever wizards is so gross well okay in that case, so we, we set up where, you know, the, the opening scene of the movie, it's, let's say it's some, it, it is someone from like MI6. He's going to be our villain. He's, you know, he's meeting some dude in the brain. It's like some guy who tells him how to break the enchantment or he, they figure out a way to like replicate. They figure out a way basically around that, the magical bullshit. And, yeah. and they like they use this, they spread this information all over the country and they start fucking like starts in it starts in you know britain and then it grows in the first like 10 to 20 minutes uh, of the no, movie no. okay, okay I, i'm yeah, gonna yeah. twist this on you so uh, yeah we got the semi six guy he's our villain right but yeah because it's established yeah, in yeah. the seventh book that the minister of magic has regular correspondence with the human prime minister of britain like, they yep, know each other, the human prime minister knows it's a thing. And the agreement is kind of generally just, like, we trust the magical minister to make this shit not affect us. So, like, yeah, warn us when shit goes south, or if it's something you did, but, like, and we'll help cover it up. But otherwise, don't, don't fuck with us. Like, don't fucking talk to us. And my sixth guy finds out. Because, like, obviously, it's fast forward, oh. like, 30 years. That, you know, yeah, it's not yeah. a, it's not just the prime minister knows stuff, it's prime minister and like his top cabinet officials and yeah. mi6 guy is like mm, this is a threat to britain and her sanctity and sovereignty so he begins plotting 
and yeah, it's pretty good. A American uh, and, and one of the Aurors, the, the the wizard police, find out, and they're like, "Oh shit, we gotta we gotta shut this down." But we can't do. We can't just like. Actually, fuck it. They can. They just walk up and they obliterate his memory and he forgets. <laughs> fuck. Actually, yes, yes, they can. Fucking magic. <laughs> they ruined them. They ruined my movie. <laughs> oh, it's. I, it could be something like. But it's a, it's uh, a yeah. buddy cop team up with the human MI6 agent who's trying to stop his boss, and the wizard MI6, the wizard Aurora, who's his boss is like, nah, it's not a threat because Muggles can never threaten us. I like. I actually. I like the idea of like an American. Um, like a down on his luck, like American, uh, like intelligence agent, and like a down on his luck, or her luck. Uh, it could honestly, these characters could be either, but like uh, British, like Auror, like team up somehow, like yeah. that. I, or I guess it, it doesn't have to be American or British, but you know what I mean. Like I like, I do like that idea of like those two. Like, they're both down up. on their luck, and they're yeah. like. Their thing is gonna. They they need to work together to save their respective worlds. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, the the like regular person would have to accidentally come into possession of something that like uh, the the you know our intelligence guy needs. Um, and I would pitch this as potentially leading to a trilogy. Because I think what should happen in the second movie is, like, the whole thing gets blown. And there's, like, a huge crackdown of, like, on the Wizarding World. It's like, too dark. All of You don't know. <laughs> I, I, what are you t- Too dark. They had a, they had a, a man who tried to kill a baby. Again, in the though, James. <laughs> Again, we're working with wizards who have spent basically a few hundred years outwitting, outmagicking, and outhiding from humans, like our fucking tech don't mean shit. Yeah, but we've got the numbers. Like that, like well, that's, that's always been the, the argument, that... though, of like why the wizards need, why like evil wizards wanted to sh- kill muggles off, is like, we need to reduce their numbers. I, like, and that, wouldn't that be interesting? If no. like, no, because you could, if in the second movie, if there's, like, suddenly a crackdown, like, it all of a sudden it starts happening, then, like, you could have a debate in universe where it's, like, were these guys right? Like, we tried to be the moral people, but <laughs> look where that fucking got us. Like, our families are getting dragged out by, like... So what you're saying is you want a third Wizarding War where the wizards win. No, 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 no. I think it's like you want a human wizarding war where the humans win. Well, because like, all right, like if we're looking at Harry Potter through like a psychological lens or whatever, right? If we really want to take this to its like teleological end, like really push this, like, like obviously the Muggles are that's the like regular people, you know that that's the regular world. It's our day to day. It's mundanity. That's what it represents in in the beginning of the book and the you know, the first movie yeah. is Harry, Harry is in a world of mundanity, um, regular life. And then he discovers that there's something right. Like unique about him, a talent. And it unlocks quite literally a whole world where he is able to sort of like embrace a different side of himself and find like all these things he didn't know about. He's exposed to knowledge. He's yeah. exposed to friends, enemies, dangers, all that shit. Yeah. He gets to live, you know, a life. Yes. And, and, but 
there's still there still must be a uh, a struggle, a dichotomy within himself between the regular parts of him. It's never like, been it's a like thing. A it's like, what are you talking about? He's never struggled like, with the like re- wanting to return to that Muggle world. It's always he wants to leave the Muggle world. And he no, has to go back does. over summer break, and then once summer break over, break, like once he graduates Hogwarts, he's just like, yeah, fuck this, I don't have to ever go back. Ha ha ha! I'll live in Diagon Alley forever. Don't you think that's like a weird, almost kind of fucked up, like Peter Pan syndrome message? Like, I don't no, know. I think it's more of he finally finds a place that he belongs. It, but so why would you want to go back to a place you don't belong? Functionally, it's like, like a student who goes on a, like to study abroad. And they find, like, oh, no, I really enjoy living in France. And then they go home to finish out their education. And once their education's over, they're like, I, I'm i going back to France. And they go back and live in France. Feel called out. Well, I didn't no, call you out because I said France, Calvin. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. I what I guess, like, the case that I make, I, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a point well taken. Like, obviously, the big part of Harry's character is that whole, like, home life is miserable the part one of the things to be fair as well is right that makes it miserable is that the people in his life refuse to accept him as who he is like they they first they just treat him like dirt and then they treat him like a monster um and yeah. they continue to do so up until the very end yeah, so like literally the very end is them like, stopping treating like him like a monster but that that's what i'm saying up or yeah no no, no fair enough right? like up until the end where they like flip and they they choose not to um i think would be interesting is like is that kind of like the wizarding world and the the you know and the regular world that's like your a uh, top level conscience and consciousness and then you're like that's the the wizarding world it's like your you know fantasies it's literally it's your unconscious it's like all these things fantastical that like mix together like to tell a story in that world where they, they clash truly like in in such a brutal way and then there is a kind of healing or a sort of like synthesis integration that takes place you want to destroy oh. the wizarding world is what you're saying in order to build it back up better united with humans uh yeah like why not wouldn't it. it be better wouldn't it, what do you mean you hate it what do you you like I I think that gets too far away from the point the overall general like takeaway of those books though. The the point of those books is not the psychological level or maybe not the point, but like the common general intention and intonation and reading of the Harry Potter franchise is never really supposed to be about that examination of consciousness levels and the the cultural level growth that you're describing it's always been a very personalized journey about finding your home and finding what makes you you and finding what makes you comfortable and defending that those core tenets of friends family home so to take that and blow it up to societal level shifts and changes is really kind of move away from the focus of the the story right like it's like taking the opera out of the space opera of Star Wars. I, 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 I agree. I agree. I, I, I know agree. You, you definitely have points. Like, I think you, you make a great point about like in constructing a new narrative using these two separate worlds. Like this is a great way to go about that of like 
Here's the one where we're introduced to these two worlds. Now here's the one where they go to war because they're too different. And one wins and subjugates the other. And then the third one, they reconcile because they realize that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, I, um, I'm not gonna lie, I'm just addicted to the visual of, of SWAT team people, like, dragging people out of awkward for some reason. I, I, That's what like, I thought. This is, this is very dripping and cruel, but the idea of shattering that image of childhood with something that brutal, and I'm not talking, like, they're not pulling people out Sounds fucking like a bad political cartoon. It, it kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what makes it so good. Um, no, I, I actually, I think, I think you're very fair, like, Harry Potter is very much like, um, it's, yeah, it's rooted in those more personal, less, there are universal themes in Harry Potter, but it really is just addressing sort of, uh, yeah, that, that more, yet, um, it was a good way to put it, like family, it means finding a home, spending that, you know, and, and kind of being able to parse through that. So I think that's, um, yeah, that's definitely a point very well taken. I would agree. We went on, uh, I was going to say, you went on quite the tangent here, RJ. So you let us down quite the... No, it's RJ's fault. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to let James take we the blame, but... Fed into it, yeah. But I, I mean, I think there was uh, there's some okay stuff in there, you know, so... I had fun. Let's say that. I had fun, too. You were saying, Calvin? <laughs> what? But, I didn't say uh, nothing. You, you, we, we, I took us down a tangent. See, you're delaying now. See, now, again, he takes us down a random tangent. He's delaying from getting onto his next segments. You're just really terrible at this podcasting thing, RJ. Come on. No, RJ, you're doing the McElroys. (laughs) Shots fired. Suck at maximum fun. You suck as a podcasting group. Wow. Look, their business model is shit, okay? We're so good. What are they bad now? I haven't listened to them in forever. Uh, the Macroys are in their twilight years in terms of podcasting, but the wow. group they're with, they are. Um, Maximum Fund's business model is similar to like NPR's pledge drive in that it is a pledge drive, but it's not publicly funded and it's not a don- like they call it a donation or like they use lots of charity esque language to make it seem like it's a charity donation thing, even though it's not. And they draw, they push for, like, new and upgrading subscriber counts, but they don't do anything to support people who have been subscribing for forever. So, like, if you pledge the, like, $100 a month to get X reward, that's great. Next year, you have to up your pledge in any way to get any new rewards. Which, again, very public broadcasting-like method, but that really doesn't work in this day and age of podcasting. Yeah, I mean that, and that's kind of like shitty because you're kind of basically just forcing people to pay you more money every year. I and mean, they I use know, lots like, of like, you should support us or our kids will die. Not maybe that's okay. That's very overly dramatic. You should support us. Here's our children. Like we're working. This is our full time jobs. But it was particularly bad during the start of the pandemic, which was right about just before, like the pandemic hit, and then their pledge drive hit. And so it was kind of a, like, particularly at that point, it was like, all right, guys, you're begging the rest of us for money to support you in your job where you don't have to leave your house and are probably some of the least impacted by the pandemic from people who have to, you know, still go to work. Does it sound really bad that, like, 
like I'm, I'm definitely starting to take the opinion that you should like like I think people who want to should definitely have obviously like artistic craft and passion and if you manage to turn that into a career that is like fantastic but most of the cases like I'm becoming like an old man dude <laughs> like, I'm very much like like you should you should probably you should just have a job so that you don't have to well that's the thing and like, I know that my my favorite one of my favorite podcasts right now Flophouse they all have jobs right like one of them literally manages yeah. two bars um but okay, like yeah. the McElroys don't have jobs anymore and are also the people saying like hey give us money and let us not have jobs but we also aren't taking any of your critique or comments into account for our podcast on ways to improve which like okay to be fair you can't take all of it into account but like listen to the general like vibe that is going trending negative and the guy who founded and runs maximum fun like a year ago said on twitter if you don't donate you're mooching off our free podcasts dude dude that sounds a lot like what those like do you remember that one clip did you guys ever see that of that one twitch uh girl uh that one streamer no which um, one it's like a year or two ago um fuck was it and she she got like flamed really hard online because uh she said something like, um, "Like if you don't have five dollars, like to donate." Oh, to I did see this. You shouldn't like you should just you have you should go out and get a job. But she wasn't like you're wasting your time. She was like you're wasting your time because you're not making money to support me. And it, yeah, like, it yeah. was like, come on, how can you say that you don't have five dollars? Of course you have five dollars. So like that's just and she was going on about like that's not an excuse to say that you don't have five dollars because I know you have five dollars to give me. And it's just like who uh, this yeah, year uh Jesse Thornton, founder of Maximum Fund, made comments about how, oh, would you rather like in regards to Patreon versus their model, would you rather give money to tech bros or to like functionally, would you rather give it to Patreon or to me? I'd rather spend it on the shit I want to spend it on, dude. Yeah. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I get it. Like, I think, you know, um, you know, I believe in, in the creation of quite literal artistic networks that are able to produce like good material and give people space to create yeah. and, and like add stuff to, to their credit. Like but... again, Flophouse is my favorite podcast and they straight up sit like one of the founders, one of their main hosts went on Twitter and was like, yo guys, we hear you every year. We get people say, why don't you move over to Patreon? That just doesn't work for us. We're comfortable with where we're at. We're comfortable with Max Fun. We wouldn't have enough time to like do tons of extra content anyways that like a lot of people seem to do on Patreon. And so like, we hear you. We know you think it's good. We're currently comfortable where we're at. Like, we hear you. We know you want it. It's okay. Yeah, like if you can if you can find a way to make it work, like you know that's kind of anyone who has that kind of interest, like that's kind of a dream. But I'm not gonna lie, like after watching the trajectory of so many people in entertainment, to me it seems like most artists, uh, unless they're people. very driven or passionate. What'd she say? Forget their people. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Like they they seem to me like it is gonna sound very naive or whatever they seem like they maybe have one or two truly great things uh that they make and then that's kind of like it you know what i mean unless you're very into the artist or unless the artist is again very dedicated or passionate like i think most artists 
have a few great like works. Yeah. Um, yeah, truly great ones. And then it's kind of starts to go along in their career, and every once in a while you get the person who can make like a pretty great late state. Like Scorsese made you know Goodfellas in the '90s and same Casino and all that stuff. Like there are people who make stuff like really great stuff later in their career, but like. <clears throat> I don't know. I think that's very few and far between. It's kind of like pro athletes. Um, I think it's like, also too like you made a good point though about like having that passion and wanting to do it. Like if you're just dedicated to making the best thing you can, because that's what you want. Like you just want to do your best to do the thing. I think that's what makes a world of difference. Because like Joel Hodgson, creator of Mystery Science Theater three thousand, started as a stand up guy. Like he did stand up comedy. And he used his, like, kind of personality when he was doing stand-up to do his character on, as the, like, human on MST3K. He did MST3K for, like, 15, 10, 15, 20 years, left, came back on Netflix, left Netflix, and came back with a Kickstarter. And it's been one of those, like, people want more of this. I like making this. I like to make more of this. And it's, at least as far as my experience's understanding goes, like, yeah, some episodes have been worse, some seasons have been worse than others, but it's never been a, like shit but it's because he just enjoys doing it like he does it because he yeah. likes it if, and if you're like if you're fortunate enough to be in the position or if you just like uh, you know if you if, if you find yourself in that position where you're able to do that i absolutely say like absolutely more power to you i just see so many artists or people in entertainment in general who they keep doing their thing and they slowly become like an abstraction or like a parody of themselves. You yeah. know what I mean? Until they're like unrecognizable. And it's like, it's really unfortunate because you want, you want to go back to a certain time and tell them like, stop, like whatever this, like whatever you're doing, like, just find a way to end it, walk away and do something else. Like, like before like you, impossible. Yeah, I mean, I've heard, yeah. Or or I would even use the McElroys as yeah. probably an example. Like, there's a there's a part uh, of their, there's a body of their work, corny as some might find it, that is enjoyable, and that's actually pretty fun to listen to. Um, but it sounds to me like they sort of, like, you know, you, in the words of Biggie Smalls, you don't want to get high off your own supply. You do not want to buy into your own They got bullshit. high off their own supply. Man, and the fear of Twitter backlash. That's also not great. Social media, Twitter does not help. Um, yeah. Uh, do we want to? What are we at for time? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, we're at a minute ten. A minute ten. Hour ten. Sorry, hour ten. So we should oh. probably wrap it up here. Then. I mean, RJ, do you want us? Want we can. Our next can segment: How to one. be a better buddy. Where we give some real and some humorous advice. If J.K. Rowling can't get any advice out of the last. Forty minutes. <laughs> I can't help you. Um, men who begin conversations at urinals. Why? With the further details, what compels you to think that standing near a toilet with my dick in my hand is the best place to initiate a conversation? What's the appeal or need, and why can't you just why can't you just wait a few seconds till I am slash we're both done? No, no conversation should ever be engaged in a bathroom. If you know the person already, it's just like okay, maybe like casual small talk of just like, hey, what's up. Uh, but beyond that, it's like, 
I, I don't, the bathroom is not the place for conversation. <laughs> I see. I just, I disagree with uh, that. I like, I have you ever being nice bar, like a bar bathroom. No, okay. Bathroom. But I feel like this, this is a different scenario because everyone's drunk. Also, how many oh, okay. bars have more like every bar bathroom I've been to has been like, you close the door, lock it. And it's literally just like one person. Like, it's not oh, like a no. normal bathroom. No, that is not the norm, I would say. Okay, I haven't um, been to enough bars then. Right, yeah, why don't you fucking drink more? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, like, yeah, there are sometimes where, you know, it's fucking 11 to 12, 12 30 at night, and walk into a, a bigger bar bathroom, there's just like a fucking shit ton of guys there, and everyone's like shouting, and yeah, guys like pump each other up. There's, there's like, yeah. uh, no, I, I I hate to agree with you, but there is there has been some rather interesting and kind of fun conversations that I've had in a bar bathroom. It's just like because yeah. I again I bring it back to though that everyone's drunk, which Happy is media. a difference, which hey, is great. like outside the scope I would argue of this question. Happy medium right. at the sinks, only at the sinks. Yeah, that's what I I I, I could agree with that. Yep. Uh, no, I, I can't imagine, like, going to a guy, like, going to a, a, a urinal in a quick trip bathroom and seeing a guy, like, right across from me and then thinking, like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to tap him on the shoulder and <laughs> see how his day's going. Yeah, but I, I could see... Just walk I up to that urinal with... next to him, dick in one hand, my other hand on his shoulder, say, hey, pal, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> No, but I could I could see like uh, in you know I think you're right like uh, at the sinks, kind of just you know you might just make a comment or whatever, and you know, they walk away. Yep. But yeah, I, I I don't I agree. I wish I could answer why you guys uh, begin conversations at urinals sober. I I can't. They're not actually human. Those are wizards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah some real uh arthur weasley motherfuckers yeah all right i think we helped a lot of people yeah we, we cover both uh, you know we covered all the important stuff. topics in life movies and urinals <laughs> <laughs> there's really not much else that's pretty much it <laughs> all right thank you both for joining for Another longer, longer episode. Of course, it was fun. Definitely not a movie podcast. No, definitely not. Uh, thank mm. you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song "Living in the Moment" off the album "Cross Off Yesterday." You can find them on iTunes and Spotify, but not under the movie section. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts are not movies. Uh, we're also on social media: Facebook, Better Buddies. You, we uh, have our Meme Mondays and our Icebreaker questions. On Twitter, at BetterBudCast. Use the hashtag BetterBuddies when tweeting about the show. And our Gmail account, BetterBuddiesCast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, or questions you need advice on. And before I sign off for the evening, I do want to say, like, hey, if you like our show, tell your friends about it. The, the extra little bit of support we are grateful for, it's nice to, nice to expand that listener base, you know? It's not why we do the show, which is why we don't beg for it every week, but uh, realized we hadn't asked in a long while. So, uh... And what was that, James? 
I was going to say, I was going to thank anyone who does already listen. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Like, we make this all show because... you. What did you say, Calvin? I said all four of you. Oh, yeah, fair. Thanks. I mean, we're... The last, like, ten weeks has been closer to an average of seven, so, like, raise the roof. Yeah, Let's praise. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, you know, it, we make this show because we enjoy talking with each other and because it's fun, but we appreciate that some people also enjoy listening to us talk to each other, even though... I think one, sometimes one third of that is like Calvin downloading it. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I always got to see what the little stinger is he adds at the end. This is very true. Those are very fun. And last but not least, be a better buddy. Life, oh my god, life has no meaning without despair. Life finds a way. That we can understand and better appreciate those moments of hope and joy. Boom, nailed it, made it positive again. I I would, yeah, and one could even make the case, the point is not to be, uh, not to strive for any positive or negative, it's just to... Strive. rather be able to experience to be able to sit back and be like yeah you know that's that's life well frank would say let's start the show okay starting the show in three two he never listens to us (laughs) i listen to the beat of my own drum calvin